What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Steven Nerioff is the chairman of Adaptive Holdings. In this conversation, we talk about the past, present, and future of crypto. He has some wild stories and great anecdotes to share with us. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. All right, guys, before we continue with this episode, a quick word from our sponsor, Zenledger. For all you accountants and crypto investors out there trying to get through this bear market, Zenledger is a fast and simple tax reporting tool that saves you a ton of time and headache. Ain't nobody like dealing with their taxes, so let Zenledger do it for you. You can learn more by visiting zenledger.io slash off the chain to get your taxes done with ease. And as an off the chain listener, you'll save 20% of your 2018 tax forms. That's right. Listening to this podcast makes you smarter and saves you money. I got you. One more time. That's zenledger.io slash off the chain. Boom. Another ad. Total. Total sophisticated platform powers the blockchain economy with safe, simple, decentralized asset exchanges at the best price for traders, wallets, businesses, and other financial apps. That was a mouthful. They do a lot. Similar to using Kayak for finding the best flights, Total's platform aggregates decentralized exchanges and optimally routes trades for execution. They've got a simple API and it eliminates the need for any business partners to understand the fragmented decentralized exchange landscape and it integrates with many exchanges and protocols. Total. It looks like Total, but it's spelled Total. They got the whole misspell the name on purpose to sound cool. So Total is T-O-T-L-E dot com slash pomp. Go check it out. Total.com slash pomp. When you go, take a screenshot, tweet it to me. I'll drop you some fire emojis. They'll be happy. You'll be happy. I'll think I'm cool. It's a win-win-win all around. Total.com slash pomp. As many of you know, crypto investors store their digital assets on exchanges or in cold storage for long-term safekeeping. However, this strategy doesn't help them grow their investment holdings or build overall wealth. With the new BlockFi interest account, Users can now securely store their Bitcoin or Ether at BlockFi and receive 6% annual interest paid monthly in cryptocurrency. 6% is an absurdly high rate. It's the best rate in the industry. I highly suggest you go check out BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, that's BlockFi.com slash POMP to sign up and start earning crypto today. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Bang, bang. All right, guys, I'm here with uh, Steven. Thank you so much for coming on, sir. Hey, Pumps. Really excited about being here. Awesome. All right, you have a super interesting background pre uh, all of your Ethereum work and up till today. Let's maybe go through uh, some of the things you did before um, getting involved with Ethereum. So I've, I've like always been in tech. I was I was out in Silicon Valley for many years, um, but then I was also an attorney and a venture capitalist. So kind of mixing all those things together, uh, you know, I've started a lot of tech companies and then uh, ended up in blockchain back in about 2011. Got it. And so uh, what initially drew you into crypto, blockchain, uh, Bitcoin, et cetera, back in the, in the early days when, frankly, most of the people thought that this was all nonsense? So, like, it, I, I think of Bitcoin, like, it's it's one of those, like, unique items. It's like um, the road charts 
um, tests, those ink spot tests, like the that the psychiatrists have, because like everybody looks at Bitcoin and sees something different in it. And I, like a lot of people in the space with libertarian background, uh, believed that at some point this financial system was going to collapse. And when somebody showed me the Bitcoin white paper and explained it to me, I was like in literal shock because what I saw was for me it was the new monetary system. And the reason I was in shock was that I expected that to be like a revolution or something like bloodshed or something like a really bad situation, hyperinflation. I did not expect it, even though I was in tech, for a technology to be ushering the new monetary system. And, I, and I, I've now, you know, these years, seven years later, I'm ever more convinced that Bitcoin is the new monetary system. It's a uh, digitally native currency. And I think a lot of people look at it and they compare it to kind of non-digitally native assets. But I talk all the time about uh, the digital world needs a digitally native asset. Right. And so I think that's what we're seeing. Uh, all right. So you get into uh, Bitcoin blockchain, right? You kind of like, hey, look, this thing could actually change the world. Uh, the first big thing that you did was uh, with Vitalik and Ethereum. So before we get into the Ethereum work, maybe let's talk about how you met Vitalik. Uh, you guys were living together uh, uh, at one point. He, you know, he, we weren't living together, but he would, uh, when he would come to New York, um, kind of like during, mostly during 2014, uh, he stayed with me often. And it was just a real pleasure for me and a treat to get to know him at that level. Uh, How did you guys originally Meet. So we, I, I got introduced to the team in uh, early, uh, right around early 2014, and they uh, were looking to do a crowd sale, uh, a very ambitious crowd sale. And uh, what my job was to figure out how can you do a crowd sale and it not be a security. Um, and ultimately, we were looking, you know, to uh, get a law firm that would be willing to stand behind that. Um, but they needed to be a lot of innovation to make that happen. Absolutely. And so uh, you guys architected the first ICO in the sense of what I think a lot of people understand it today. Maybe talk us through what the goals of, um, you know, what you were trying to accomplish. And then we can talk through some of the trade-offs that you guys made and ultimately how you ended up on the structure you ended up on. Yeah. So what we were trying to accomplish was raise money in a crowd sale and include the United States uh, because we had a very egalitarian view that everybody should be included. Uh, it was something important to a lot of people and for it not to be deemed a, a security. And so I, how do you how do you accomplish that? And that was that just had never happened before. Uh, there, were, there were three crowd sales earlier. Um, none of them had really structured in any particular way. And so we were looking like, can we innovate somehow legally using this technology so uh, when it's viewed, it would not be a security, and, and, and kind of like it's it's one of those it was one of those eureka moments. The way it actually happened was almost by accident. Um, it, it was one evening I was uh, sitting, we were having drinks, and Vitalik was there, and I was we were still like uh, you know at least me I was still trying to get my arms around like gas and how that worked, and you know, uh, and so I said to him, I said, wait, don't you need this stuff to send this stuff? Meaning, you know. You, you need it uh, you know, to send it through the system. And he said, yeah, why? And I said, well, so by definition, every purchaser or contributor 
of Ether, it will be a user of the system because mm-hmm. even if they have to send it, even if they want to sell it, they have to send it. So by definition, and we started like I started going down that train of thought, and I was was really lucky because I had the former chairman of the SEC uh, as a sounding board. And frankly, I, I got to admit, I, I thought was, he was going to like laugh at me when I said, and I, so I called him and I said, "Look, I have this idea." I said, "What if we say?" that this is a good, because this is gas, like that you put in your car, right? And Mm -hmm. and it helps go through this network. And everybody that uses it will have to, uh, everybody that's purchasing will have to use it on the network. Uh, So then it's more akin to a good than than a security, and it's a future sale of a good. Uh, He thought, I mean, his words were, you know, thought it was brilliant. And I was kind of like a little shocked by that. And then we called the law firm. We, we gave the idea. So, but that was that was rough. We still had a lot of refinement to do from that point. Um, but that's the genesis of the ICO as we know it. Absolutely. And when you guys were doing this, um, how did you structure it, right? So where are the legal entities set up? Uh, how did you think about, um, you know, who you could offer it to, who you couldn't? Were, were you actually successful in being able to offer it to everybody? Just talk through kind of the legal structure uh, and then the actual offering process itself. Yeah. So originally there was a, Ethereum was structured as a for-profit plus a foundation. Okay. Uh, towards like in the 11th hour before the before we actually did the ICO, uh, the the for-profit was eliminated and it was just the foundation. Uh, but the, the, the foundation is a really fascinating story because uh, a number of folks, but I would say like the, the, the leading guy there is Charles Hoskinson, uh, went out to Switzerland and spoke to this like very like old, like slow moving, you know, uh, historical banking society and spoke to some, he somehow got into some really influential folks there. There and explained to them about Bitcoin. And he had also written um, the did the Udemy course in Bitcoin. So he's 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 a natural educator and, and just frankly brilliant guy. Uh, and he explained to them that this is the new banking system. This could be the new monetary system. And they got it. And in about couple of months, uh, they were able to enact laws in the canton of Zug, and that uh, is the genesis of Crypto Valley. So the the for-profit, I'm sorry, the, the foundation then was stationed as a Swiss foundation, and now, you know, obviously there's a ton of them over there. Absolutely. And so when you're doing this, um, how much of the dependence was on Switzerland specifically versus could you have done this in other jurisdictions? Do you think that Switzerland was pretty key in being able to do this? Yeah, well, so they're, 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 like literally, this was created. Like the, it just didn't exist anywhere uh, through Charles's work and some and some other folks. They invented uh, a, a jurisdictional framework to allow, um, you know, what we're calling a blockchain company today to exist as a foundation under those rules, uh, under these new enacted rules. Uh, since then, uh, even after that, uh, the irony is that the. Uh, opinion letter that um, we got um, based on our structure uh, when other jurisdictions like Singapore and a bunch of these other Malta and these other jurisdictions wanted to also kind of get into the game what they were all asking for was show us another jurisdiction other than Switzerland that's done this and what they didn't have anything really um, and I think it even happened for Switzerland when they, and they actually used our legal opinion for that. Got it. And so as you're doing this, um, how much of 
Vitalik's time and, and kind of the developers involved in the project are focused on the legal structure, the crowd sale, et cetera, versus um, you and, and kind of the non-developer crowd? So they, they uh, it was the most brilliant group of guys I'd ever been around. Um, I was just you know, just being a fly on that wall around the, those guys, and, and if you see each one like has gone on to some you know amazing second act um, from there. They, they but they were they were, they were very well rounded. So the, the folks like Vitalik in particular was very extremely well versed in the legal consequences. He was very thoughtful. Um, about how he about made the decisions, and frankly, the only reason I got involved um, in it was because I saw this this brilliant kid trying to like improve the world, and I had been reading him in Bitcoin Magazine, and so when he explained to me like wh- what they were what he was trying to do, uh, it just captured me. I mean, it captured a lot of people, for sure, and so. Kind of give yourself a report card in terms of the crowd sale. How how did it go? Um, were, was the team happy? Did they want to accomplish more? Kind of where, where did you guys end up with that? So so like we we're like we're going to take over the world and we're going to have this crazy you know amazing crowd sale. But like you know you, you say that and then when it actually like happens, you kind of are in shock. So prior to this, the largest crowd sale uh, was three and a half million, I believe. If uh, and we raised eighteen million, so we did almost a five x about a 5x of the largest crowd sale in history like mm-hmm. that's that's shocking and we're not even talking about just crypto this is like any kind of crowd sale previously the response the groundswell support the dozens and dozens of meetups around the world like this thing took off like a rocket mm-hmm. um, and I don't know, nobody was really prepared for that right well, and, why do you think that happened you know what it was uh, the 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 concept of the intelligence in the blockchain of the Turing complete system was so compelling, and you know I, I think Vitalik threw it out there and and thought people would capture it, but like the way people like embraced it was just shocking because you know if you start thinking about the way that this can be used and, and part of the problem is that people are still thinking you know like Web 2.0 and how do we just put that on the blockchain? But the ones that had the vision could see like this was a whole new world. This mm-hmm. was Web 3.0, and that that just like was inspiring. Absolutely. And, and so one interesting thing that you guys did was you didn't allow the token to get listed until mainnet. So maybe talk through, you know, why you guys did that. Would you do that again, et cetera? Yeah. So, so we were not, this was, we were not selling this as an investment. We were super clear about that. We told people, this is not an investment. Do not inv- invest in this. This is, you are contributing to this and you're purchasing a future product um, that will be delivered to you, a, a product that will be delivered to you at a future date. So we were very, very, very clear about that. Uh, and in line with uh, being that every user would be purchasing Ether, uh, would be a user of the system, what we did was we put the Ether into an address, but we didn't allow people to have access to that address until Mainnet went live, which was, I think, about nine months later. Uh, and at that point, literally every purchaser of the good was you know, on the, on the network. Got it. And, and so... What was your take, let's say, over the last two years, right? Ether went from, I don't know, eight, ten bucks to the first kind of big jump was to 30, then it jumped to almost 100, then it ran up to like 300, and it eventually went all the way up to 1400 and kind of has come all the way back down to, let's call it 100 or so um, on any given day today in uh, the beginning of 2019. 
like what drives that, right? I mean, you you were there from the beginning, right? You were part of this uh, this crowd sale and, and kind of structuring it, and, and really had a good insight into uh, what the intentions uh, to raise the capital to go build this system were. Um, good that this all happened, bad that this all happened. Kind of what, what's your take, I guess, on just like the price volatility, really? I, I, look, I, I think it was. There's a lot of. Um damage that happens during booms, uh, but there's also, they're kind of necessary to break in new markets. I was in Silicon Valley in 2000 and I was there prior to the, the, the boom as all the internet companies were booming and then I stayed afterwards and I saw like when I called the visitors went home and it was just like the, the us left and that's kind of like what's in blockchain right now. You know, somebody said to me, when's the capitulation? And I said, you're not getting it. Like anybody who's still in it at after a 90% drop, they're going to zero or they're going back up. Like mm-hmm. that's it. They're believers. And, and and I think that's where we're at. You know, the the the, the drop of 90%, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, it was also sold at, you know, it's, it's up. It's also at this point, it's still one of the greatest investments in history, mm-hmm. you know, at, a, you know, $130, $140. Like the, it's just mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Right. So these people, you know, if you, if you kind of graph it out. Um, but it also the other thing that was really cool about it is, you know, there was a lot of I, I was vocal uh, opponent of the abuses that were happening. I do believe a lot of the ICOs were securities. Mm-hmm. They, I don't believe they did what we intended to do. I don't think they took the care, a lot of them. Some of them did. Uh, but what it did enable is this like uh, explosion, this interest, this worldwide like attention on this space. And what you are seeing, you know, crypto aside for a second, just the blockchain technology, you're seeing that now seeping into all kinds of industries. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're like we run an accelerator, and in there, I'm shocked because like we're get, for for the first time we're seeing domain experts like in healthcare, you know, and, and all these other areas that didn't know anything about blockchain a couple of years ago. But somebody explained to them, you know, here's a decentralized model, and here's you know the way Web 3.0 can work, and they're like, wow, I can change my model, my business that I've been in for 20 years by using you know blockchain technology, mm-hmm. and, and and so. Let's talk about kind of what Ethereum really uh, empowered, right? Was this whole boom of ICOs and, and kind of crowd sales, um, and you know, th- there's other things that Ethereum did that we can get into, but but that was a uh, an early, I think, uh, interaction with blockchain technology was people participating in these um, as in investors or uh, users. What's your take on how this? Ends up right, so so it already happened. Uh, we have these big price drawdowns. Do you think people continue to use the ICO model uh, on Ethereum moving forward? Do you think there's other things that come forward that people find to be more valuable? Kind of wh- what is Ethereum's place as a fundraising platform in the future? Well, I, I mean, the, the, the f- that was almost a happenstance of history, right? That wasn't like anybody planned that this uh, the killer app first one for Ethereum was going to be the ICO that Ethereum that we created at Ethereum, right? I mean, that that wasn't the intention, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's really more, I, I like to call it to, to like most people, it's an operating system, right? And so it's like, it's it's the new windows, right? Through, you know, uh, of the new world. <clears throat> so I, I think, you know, the, uh, it, it's, a, it's it's unfortunate that got associated with some of the abuses, right? But I think when time, when history is, is done and in, in the next few years, what you're going
going to start seeing is, yeah, I believe this market is coming back. It will it will continue to be a fundraising platform. Uh, I believe you're starting to see ICOs, or they may be calling them now initial exchange offerings and all other fancy names, but they're basically the same thing. Uh, and it, it won't be just on Ethereum. You know, there's more players in the game now, so it'll be on these other players. But longer term, what what really was set in motion here was something, in my opinion, is very different than Bitcoin. It was a different play on on blockchain and DAP development and smart contracts, and that's a whole other world. And I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not sure which one's the bigger of pie. It's an argument, you know, but it's that's what it said. And whether or not, I, I don't actually even think it matters whether or not. Ethereum is the ultimate winner, right? It's it was the one, and when history is told, that you know it was the one, and Vitalik was is the person who set this in motion. The the rest of it is is tech and yeah. The uh, I think it's Nolan who runs research at CoinDesk uh, came on a podcast and he said, look, the ERC twenty standard shook the world. Right, that, you know, the Ethereum shook the world in the sense of it was the first time people saw, whoa, look at what this something like this can do, um, and it caught a lot of people's attention, and uh, and and anything kind of moving forward from here has Ethereum, the crowd sale, the ERC twenty standard, etc. To thank, uh, and, and it remains to be seen, you know, will that remain the de- dominant platform, the dominant standard, or will there be you know ten others, etc. So I think look, you hit on a really important point that ERC twenty. Um, uh, creation was absolutely brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. And it allowed for this proliferation. I, the fact that it was fundraising, I mean, that's that's secondary, really. I mean, it just it allowed for a standard so that you could have you know wallets and exchanges, and everybody could be on this standard. It also created a lot of network effects for Ethereum, so it was it was very positive for that. At the same time, <clears throat> nothing has scaled yet. Right, so the game is still super early. Uh, Ethereum has plans in order to to to, to deal a multi-year process that maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly challenges, but there's certainly opportunities there for them, and you know, it'd be, it'd be wonderful for the ecosystem because it has such an amazing community for them to su- succeed. <clears throat> but at the same time, now you have, uh, you know, I would say. There's about 10 protocols that are sitting like right on its heels. Mm-hmm. And whether or not they're cross-chain protocols or they're proof-of-stake protocols or what have you, they're all vying to be that main chain. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I actually don't personally believe that any of them have that the real chance because I, I believe it has to be fully decentralized to be the main chain. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why um, Ethereum and Bitcoin are the two most popular. They're also the two that are fully decentralized. Uh, the scalability is the other issue. Um, and, and so there's a lot of people working. Uh, we're, we're working on one too. I, I was going to ask you, what, what, uh, what's your take on the scalability issues with, uh, with Ethereum? So, uh, you know, we're, uh, I, I think um, what, what we were captured with was um, the Casper uh, protocols that Vlad Zamfir um, invented. Uh, mm-hmm. We were enamored in particular with CBC Casper. That was mm-hmm. his, his preferred well, oh, one. Okay, before, before we get into this, it's hard to cut you off, but uh, let's start with uh, who we is, right? Sorry, so sorry. Let, let's talk about uh, Alchemist and, and maybe tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing there, and then we can get into Casper Labs and kind of what's going on. There. Sure, sure. So Al- Alchemist is... Uh, 
investment uh, advisory um, and blockchain building company uh, started a while ago. Uh, we've been involved um, in dozens of blockchain projects. Like what we do at a core is we come in, we help the team, the entrepreneur uh, build the business, you know, and we look at them as, you know, I don't even really like the word project, but, you know, it's just in our vernacular, but we look at them as businesses. So we help build those and like the, the, partnership we now have with Techstars uh, opening the first um, really we think gold standard in accelerators here in New York City and the, the cl- inaugural class is happening right now um, is is further what we like to do in terms of um, helping blockchain um, either protocols or dApps uh, and potentially other businesses as well uh, mm-hmm. proliferate. Got it. And uh, as you guys have been doing this, any notable projects that you want to talk about other than Casper Labs yeah, uh, so, first and then we get to Casper? So like so, it was, it's really interesting how my particular career took these really weird twists and turns as I'm sure a lot of people did in blockchain. So it was, it was like, it was in 2017, I think it was somewhere in the middle of 2017. And um, I got a call from uh, Trevor Coverco, uh, who's a good friend of mine, and now is you know known as the founder of Polymath. And he said, uh, uh, you know, he had, he said, I got it. I said, what? He said, the next monster. He said, the biggest monster of all industries. And I said, what are you talking about? And, and I don't remember the word that he used, but he was talking about security tokens, mm-hmm. effectively. And and we we had. You know, um, I had been involved in a couple of projects that were genetically linked to a security token, ended up becoming, um, and so I was I was already there. And because of my structuring at Ethereum and thinking so much about security, non-security, and token construction, uh, along with actually the construction of the decentralized model, um, I knew that this was big. And, and he showed me a chart that, you know, was was like totally out of whack in terms of like you know, tokenized assets are going to be. And, you know, since then, we've, we've run a number on it. And it's like in the quadrillions. Like I, I literally had to go to Wikipedia and look up, make sure what was a quadrillion. It's like a thousand trillion. And given the world's, you know, GDP is less than 100 trillion like that's like a big number um so that so the, the project that i ended up um, being really fortunate was like it was like the seminal security token was t0 mm-hmm. uh so i was uh, we were the advisors um i was there um just got p- fortunate again because like uh i was wor- working with um patrick and who's an absolute legend call mm-hmm. him uh, uh bitcoin and messiah and it, that allowed us we were it was really the seminal security token deal for the seminal security token exchange so it was really cool to learn not only about you know how does the security tokens uh, you know it's not learning like really we were creating this right but within some regulatory framework and and the, the trick here is what you're creating you're looking out like here's here's like a you know let's say there's a cup and in that cup is the current regulatory framework and you're thinking all right in five years from now you know four feet away from, they're going to put another cup down and that's going to be the regulatory framework you got to guess where that's going to be um, mm. and where the regulators are going to be and the politics involved and you know, you know how token construction is going to develop and you know, so it's pretty challenging right but it was also at the same time super exciting like if you're not interested in that kind of stuff you shouldn't be in this space well and, and you have unique experience in that you were there for 
Ethereum, you know, at the time, the most successful crowd, non-security crowd sale. And then with T-Zero's crowd sale uh, as a security, you kind of got to see both sides of the coin, if you will, right? No, no pun intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, just love was lucky to be, you know, uh, um, and, and anybody says differently. I mean, Ethereum, like, I was just lucky to be the fly on the wall over there and, and have my little part of it. Um, but, like, you know, th- there was a lot of luck and, and a lot of smart people involved in that. And then the T zero component um, is setting off. Uh, I, I don't know. It's like it's crazy because like we're, we're talking about like Bitcoin monetary system, trillions and trillions, and then we're talking about you know a full Turing complete operating system kind of thing, and it's trillions and trillions and DApps or whatever in this Web 3.0. And then you get to like T zero and security token and tokenization of assets and crypto assets, and then you're talking about like potentially quadrillions and quadrillions. Like we've never had a situation. I mean, the internet boom was the, was the closest thing, mm-hmm. and and, and that turned out to be trillions but like over a long period of time you'd have multiple markets and what all they like you know at the end of the day people ask me like what you know how are these because it's confusing to people like you know these are all really separate things and i say to them i said look they just have you know a genetic connection right i mean there's this genetic connection to this guy satoshi or group of people you know and the underlying technology of bitcoin but they're all very different use cases and they're all going to play out very differently What's your take on where you know the tokenized securities and, and kind of the regulated crowd sales are going? Do you, is this going to be kind of uh, the go-to way for people to get uh, capital, right, to access capital markets, and also to get liquidity once they're a larger company? Do you think that this um, kind of bifurcates, right? So, hey, early stage startups will use it as a crowd sale mechanism to raise money from potential users of their network, and, and they'll be off to the races. But companies will still go public through the traditional IPO process, vice versa. What's kind of your take? No, no, I, th- I think this this is just changing everything like it's 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 as as much as web 3.0 because of uh, you know ethereum changed everything uh like what t0 and i say t0 because patrick really was uh, way ahead of the curve he started this in like 2014 2015 rather um that's wall street 2.0 right and that, mm-hmm. that that game is totally different right so you're you're going to see this flow of capital that you know just like bitcoin that we still the tokenomics you know the token ways that it flows more evenly. You've got global systems now. You know, I envision a world where, in the not too distant future, every stock will delist from a, a traditional uh, equity exchange like Nasdaq or New York Stock Exchange, and they will relist on a security token exchange. And maybe those guys and and both of those players have you know um, uh, uh, efforts in these areas. Um, <clears throat> But I don't think traditional securities will exist. They don't make sense, right? For settlement purposes, for flow of capital, for costs. I mean, like the, the, the list just goes on and on and on. Um, the, the the other thing is, I envision a world where <clears throat> the, the 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 access to capital has just dropped tremendously, right? So you know, we could see a world where what we think of the future public company could be five hundred thousand or a million public companies, and that could be anywhere from you know the coffee stand in a coffee shop and you're putting $50 in there because you go there and you know that that's a really good business um, all the way to well you know the Googles and Microsofts of the world right so the, that changes everything and then the tokenization of assets is like 
super cool. I believe every digital asset will become a cryptographic asset mm-hmm. uh, and will become tokenized. And the ability of what you can do there, you know, I mean, a lot of people focus on real estate and that's super cool and it's a big number, but there's a ton of other stuff that right now just can't even trade. I mean, like I'm looking at something in the IP area and like for patents and things, and that opens up a whole new world of being a tokenized that. I was involved uh, in a project called Art Blocks, which is a fascinating project um, in the art world uh, that um, run by like some really esteemed people and you can see already that like something like that will absolutely completely disrupt the entire art scene mm-hmm. right so you're seeing like these industry like with security tokens I think we'll be doing um, from a financial perspective is going to actually disrupt industry after industry after industry the same way I think uh, a DAP system like Ethereum is also going to be disrupting industry after industry and they kind of play together that way mm-hmm. right so the, the, like there's you know the, the industry is going to disrupt it from a financial perspective but also from a, like a, an operational perspective you know the old models are not going to work in the new in the new world it, it is uh, it's fascinating to me I recently heard the term uh, smart security, or it's a smart contract, smart security. And uh, I jokingly said, who doesn't like a smart anything? Right? Everyone right. wants to be associated with smart, whatever. And so the idea that you can program a security to um, do all sorts of things in the digital world that might not be possible or may just be difficult to do in the more uh, kind of electronic world, um, I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's switch gears. Casper Labs. Uh, Ethereum's got scaling issues. Um, you know, I'll say they're challenges, right? And so it doesn't mean that uh, they will be figured out. There's tons of smart people and lots of brain power working to um, solve them, figure them out. No different than Bitcoin scaling challenges, etc. Right, so kind of every large chain has these, um, but you guys are heavily involved and, and big fans of uh, Casper Labs and, and what they're doing there. So maybe just talk about what it is uh, and why you guys are excited. Yeah, so I'm I'm a, I'm a co-founder of a company uh, and chairman of a company called Adaptive Holdings, uh, and we are funding um, an, an entity called Casper Labs, uh, and Casper Labs is going to. Um, put out the first iteration of Vlad Samfir's CBC Casper. Uh, We believe that that is... um the single most advanced blockchain ever created. And really importantly, it's the only blockchain at this point in time that uh, we, in, in our belief, that you can look at and say it will be scalable, and decentralized. Every other blockchain that has has created scalability has done it at the compromise of decentralization. Mm-hmm. And they may have use cases for those, right? And they may be fine for certain, but when you're talking about the main public kind of chains that, you know, everybody's going to have government institutions going on, you're going to have, you know, uh, enterprises, individuals, everything, that, that people are not going to trust that. Like if you, if you said to somebody, the internet, you know, somebody could like reverse your words, you know, change your words, you probably Probably wouldn't post your blog on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody would trust it, but that's decentralized, um, and and that's this is worse because this is value on top of that. And, and so let's talk through. Um you know, for at a high level for the non-technical audience, what are the main differences between Casper, uh, the Casper approach versus uh, how Ethereum and Bitcoin are thinking of scaling their blockchains? So um, the, this is the Casper protocol. Um, first of all, I, I should just say, like, they, all these communities should be working together. Like, you know, the the, the, the 
they're, they're all going to we we all help each other grow. Um, the Casper approach that um, Vlad proposed that we're implementing is native. It's a native chain built from the ground up. It is not a fork of any other chain, and it is designed from the beginning to be decentralized and scalable. Um, Ethereum right now, I think Ethereum really is a victim. It's 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 like it's a victim of its own success when when it was built you know and, and it's like shocking like bitcoin fell in half so people don't realize that that entire protocol was built for less than 10 million dollars and it, but nobody anticipated the growth of that thing going mm-hmm. as fast as it was so it wasn't built to scale um, and now they're trying to you know get it and it's like it's a really hard thing that they're trying to do so what their methodology is kind of like you know, it's it's a, it's a more of an incremental approach, and and that, that makes a lot of sense because you've got people on the bridge, right? And mm-hmm. you can't just blow it up, um, and so you, you you have to. So this, you know, now they're introducing a little bit of proof of stake, but mostly proof of work, and then you know, so there's a timetable, and then there's some holes in the timetable that they're still trying to figure out. But there's a lot of really smart people behind that, um, and I think. Bitcoin's taking a very different approach. Bitcoin's like, we're cool with our scalability as it is. We're going to do second layer stuff. And I kind of agree, actually, with the Bitcoin model for Bitcoin's use case, because to me, that's a monetary system. And so I kind of look at like the base layer, layer one, as more like the central banks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the short, the bankers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's long, the bankers, you're long layer one of Bitcoin, if you're long Bitcoin, you know, as being short the bankers. And it, that's okay because, like, you know, central banks move money really, really, really slowly. I mean, like they ship gold. It's like nuts, right? And so that's fine. But now, you know, I, I just tweeted yesterday that the uh, um, Lightning Network just surpassed $3 million. That doesn't seem like a lot. But, like, when you look at the chart, it's well, like from zero, and, zero to $3 million under a year. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's exactly. Right. So it's like this thing is has every hockey stick, you know, written all over it. This thing is going to go vertical. So I believe, you know, I still think it's going to take a long time for Bitcoin to become a monetary because people don't mm-hmm. want to spend it because they're still expecting it to go into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, you know, in the next 10, 15 years, it'll go from a store value into a monetary system. Um, and all of these layer two solutions, you know, uh, will, you know, Lightning is one, you know, but mm-hmm. there'll be other ones, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we have that in, in the real world. Like there's Visa that sits on top of the banking system that sits, sits on top of the central banks. And then there's PayPal and Venmo that sits on top of that. And so that's I think that'll still go in along that along that way. Um, the thing that we're so excited about is we're also touring complete. We are a DAP. I mean, when I say we, I'm talking about the Casper Labs yep. um, efforts um, to launch CBC Casper, and that's Vlad Samfir's. Um, it, um, really, I would say his invention. Um, and I, I just go as far. By the way, the thing that captured me is like. Like he, he kind of stands stands on, on the shoulder of giants because my view it's like you had Satoshi with that massive invention, and then you had Vitalik with to me an equally massive invention, right? And then I think, in my opinion, what Vlad Zemfir has created is as equal to those other ones. And if that's you, a pretty big statement, yeah, it is a big statement. But if you look at history, that's actually. Um, 
the way history views things. And if you look at, you know, if you ask most people who invented the car, like nine out of ten people are going to say Ford. But not it was Benz invented the car. Ford figured out how to scale the car by creating the assembly line, mm-hmm. right? So you can, you know, uh, Yahoo and all these other search engines were Yahoo was first, right? They were manually doing it. Google figured out if you use algorithms, we can scale this thing. So who, when you think of search, you think of Google. Now this is just again and again and again. Mm-hmm. You know, in every single industry, the scalability. I don't know. It's. I think it's a tough argument for somebody to say the invention of the initial item is any more important than, and this is the important thing, it's the invention of scalability. So you saw like Walmart invented, you know, like real time inventory in order to scale its stores the way it did. Mm -hmm. And they didn't understand it was a lean, mean, technology company back there. Mm -hmm. So that's its own invention. That's why I say, I think it's that. And in in your opinion, when you get the Vitalik's, the Vlad's, um, Satoshi, he, him, her, they, uh, when you get this type of intellectual capital, to me, it feels like they will come up with things that we can't even imagine. Right. And that's probably the most exciting part to me of crypto and blockchain is there's so many complex problems that really, really smart people are working on. They're not just going to solve those problems. They're actually going to solve the problems in a way that uh, empowers things like the ICO boom on Ethereum. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like Vitalik and Cruz said, hey, let's go build a you know crowdfunding platform. Right. <laughs> right. They said, right. hey, let's go build this uh, network. And it happens to be used for a whole host of things, one of them being the ICO boom. Right. Is, is, is that kind of your take as well? Or do you think that um, there's going to be more intentionality now that kind of there's, you know, one, two, three kind of big aha or breakthroughs that have happened. And, and now it's really time for entrepreneurs to focus on uh, the more intentional applications of those technologies. No, no, I think it's a former. Absolutely. It's a former. Right? No, 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 we, we haven't seen anything. Like that. I think it was like in the 1800s where the, was the head of like the patent office said every invention that's ever going to be invented, invented, was, has been invented. Right. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, that's like what they I mean, moment in time, like what if people are nuts. Right, like they, they don't have perspective of history, and they don't understand that actually our rate of invention is increasing exponentially. And when you look at a s- disruptive space like this, and whenever I like we're in crypto winter right now, and whenever I get down, and I, I'm as a believer as much as anybody, whenever I get down, I go to exactly what you just said. I think are all these not smart, absolutely ridiculously brilliant people? Uh, are they all wrong? Like they're all here for the wrong reason and and if you think about like you know bitcoin where you have to have so many different disciplines to kind of understand it you know and it, it, like this is it's shocking how many and it's drawing these people from both a, like a inspirational and like a pure just mensa mm-hmm. off the chart uh you know you're, you're mentioning a couple of people like satoshi is had to be in that caliber uh i haven't met Everybody in the world, but I, like I can't imagine there's five people smarter in this world, literally, than Vitalik. I mean, it's just that's, he's brilliant, and then uh, and Vlad too. I mean, it's like it's like you you seeing these people all congregating in this little area. And so what I think you're going to see is there you're going to see invention after invention. I don't even I think we're like in the bottom of the first inning. Like mm-hmm. I think we're just an embryo. We're so it's, it's like it's, it has the game hasn't even really started much. Um, and so you're going to start seeing more inventions. And so it's not so much like finding a solution to a problem. It's it's more inventing new ways of being. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 ultimately I think we're a lot of people's hearts are right and these brilliant minds is that they're trying to improve society, right? And, and that's that's their driving force. 
Yeah, I love it. Um, before I finish up, uh, I always ask rapid fire set of questions. Uh, what do you think is the most important company outside of um, Alchemist? Uh, well, I'm going to pick Casper Labs. That's kind of cheap. I'm going to go outside with outside of Casper. Yeah, who else? Uh, outside of Casper. So outside of Casper, what uh, what would you say is the most important company? So I think right now it's it's Binance. Binance, why? Yeah, yeah I, I, because um, you, here you have, for the first time, you've got a, a guy in CZ who, to me, is just like he's brilliant and clever and in all kinds of different ways. But you have somebody who finally has network effect and critical mass, and is actually doing something to push the industry forward. So that he has the ammunition to drive millions and millions of people in different directions that are productive for the entire industry. Prior to that, you had, you know, you had Mt. Gox, and then you had Poloniex, and, you, had, you know, each one of the, the baton kept getting handed off to one after mm-hmm. the other, and now he grabbed the baton, and he took a, the game to a whole nother level. Yep. I, I uh, Shout out CZ. I'm a, uh, I'm a big fan of just his ability to build and execute uh, at a rate and uh, and pace that just other people are having a hard time keeping up with, right? Um what would be the one regulation that you would change or improve if you could? Regulation? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would institute the Token Taxonomy Act. Right? I think that is so, on so many levels important. Uh, but that's that's the act that's, that's floating around Congress right now is a bill that they're looking to define. Here is what a utility token is. And it's legislatively defined. And if you fall into this safe harbor, the SEC or anybody else can't bother you as it being mm-hmm. a security token. And why is that important? Because A, it keeps, you know, just for those in the U.S., it keeps the U.S. innovation moving forward. But even for the world, the U.S. is like this, like, you know, um, it blocks innovation for the rest of the world too. The U.S. has kind of got to get with the program. So I think that's like the most important one. What's the most important book you've ever read? A most important book I've read uh, in my life? Yeah. Uh, that would be Wayne Dyer, Your Sacred Self. What is that? I've never heard of that. That's, uh, so he, in, a, in very simple terms, explains why there's more to this world than we're seeing. Right, so like simulation you know. type stuff. No, I mean it's just like that. You know that there's you know there's just meaning to life, like a soul. You have a soul, right? Yeah. And so it's not just this physical world. You know, like what happens when you die, right? And it's like, and so he explains it in a really interesting way. And you know, it's not really like Hocus Pocus. I mean, if anybody's part of any kind of religion, obviously has the beliefs, you know, to, similar to that. Um, but to me, that was it was a pretty groundbreaking um, book for me. I read it when I was young. Interesting. I, I've never heard of that. I would have to read it. Um, I usually end by letting people ask me one question, but first we talk aliens. Uh, believer or non-believer in aliens? Uh, I, I think I think it was Einstein that says, or at least like a million other things were attributed to him. He said that the mathematical possibilities that there aren't are so infinitesimal to be dismissed. And just given the trillions of planets out there. Einstein said that? I, I, I said it, it was attributed if, to him. I don't know if it was if actually If he said him. that, if Einstein's down with the aliens, yeah. everyone's got to be down with the aliens. Yeah, but if I, if, I, if I say it and I use Einstein, then it's got to be more credible, right? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, but I don't, I don't think they necessarily look like us. And, and maybe they're not even physical form. And, I, I, you know, I mean... We're we're so close-minded as a, as like a society. We're, we're always looking for water and and oxygen, and we think like there's supposed to be like people that walk on two legs. And like, I mean, don't we see enough of other stuff that are people living in other things? And like, I, it's, it's a very short-sighted approach. Um, you you want to know what's crazy to me is the ocean. 
What? I've, I've been looking into the ocean lately. Yeah, yeah. There's some wild stuff going on in the ocean. They got things down there that you and I wouldn't even understand. We've never seen before, thought about. You know, they're just hiding out under the water. Those may be aliens. Uh, they could be aliens. Look, the the, uh, the aliens are easier to comprehend, I think, than even just our own ocean. Because yeah. uh, I saw a picture on the internet the other day of a thing that literally looked like a, like a sea monster. Right? I was like, what the hell is that thing? And uh, they're like, ah, it's one of these common uh, you know animals in the depths of the ocean, blah, 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 whatever. And I was like, Jesus. So I, I think as a society, we're happy that they don't have feet and they stay in the water <laughs> so we can actually have separation from them. And Only the people that are psychopaths that go down there to go play with them are... Yeah, I- uh- I, I mean, when I, I remember was a kid and I was watching these Jaws movies, I was like, why do they keep going out? I'm like, why do you just like, like you know, do 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 Just stop going on the boat. Get, would, back, get on the dock. Would you rather go to space or go to the depths of the ocean? Would I, me? Oh, oh, definitely space. Oh, definitely <laughs> space. I would not want to go to the depths of the ocean. I, I think people are more scared of the ocean than they are space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, well, a lot of people, I think, have, you know, threat of, you know, fear of, of, of suffocating and, or drowning, drowning rather, and, stuff, yeah. and, and getting eaten alive and all this other kind of stuff. And I, I guess space, you could equally be horrible. I guess we're just not as used to it because we don't see it, you know, other than in a yeah. couple movies. Space is like sexy now, right? Yeah, so I mean, besides cool. which, Elon's sending up stuff and we're... Yeah. We're, we're going to Mars. Like, we're going yeah, to Mars. Ever. We're, we're going to live on the day. moon. And I'm like, <laughs> what one question do you have for me? Uh, so, <clears throat> what? Like, like, seriously, like in the morning. I mean, there's short the bankers and long Bitcoin, but like ultimately, like that, you know, that's one level, right? Uh, like, if you go deeper into pump, like, yep. really at the depth, like, uh, you get into your, like, <laughs> ultimate, net, like, bottom line, like, what is it that drives you and inspires you? My whole thing with crypto is, uh, I actually think most people are completely wrong. And not in the, like, they're wrong, I'm right. It's more of a... Um, they are thinking about things that are either too obvious or uh, too small. And the part that gets me excited about crypto is we are moving to a digital world with one single nation, right? So the internet is one nation with one set of rules that's governed by algorithms and machines. And in that world, you need digitally native assets, you need digitally native contracts, you need digitally native accounting, Right. Um, for all of those transactions. Uh, and, and I like to use this um, you know, double spend problem is a perfect example. In a digital world where everything's a digital file, if you can just copy it and send two of them, that would be a problem. Right. And so the accounting, the smart contracts, the, the digitally native assets. What I feel like we're building, and I get a lot of you know pushback on this, is we're not building a world for humans. We're building a world for mach- machines, right? And automation. And, and if you think about what does that automated, efficient world look like where we're able to move value around the single nation of the internet to 4 billion people that are connected now? Uh, that feels really important, right? Yeah. And I always go to like, what's your special skill, right? I don't write code. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but there is one very, very specific thing that I think I'm good at doing. And I've just learned over time that I can take these super complex ideas and communicate them to non-technical people in very uh, understandable terminology and concepts, right? And so I feel like it is my job 
and I have a responsibility to go take that ability, take these really complex topics and go explain this to the entire world that has no clue. They don't even care, right? It's not that they don't understand. They just don't even care yet. How do we make them care? Yeah. Right? How do we make them aware? Right? Yeah. Once they care and they're Absolutely. aware, which rhymes, by the way, which makes me even smarter <laughs> than, uh, than I thought I was, uh, then I think that they can really start to pay attention. They can work on this stuff. They can participate in their own way, et cetera. And so I think that we're so early that we need, we need 100 people like me. Right. Where are the other 99 that can go and take these complex things that are being worked on by these brilliant people and go tell everyone who doesn't care yet? Right. And if we can slowly chip away at that day after day after day, we're going to turn around five, 10 years from now and be like, whoa, everyone cares. Right. And, and so I think that there's people, you know, the, the uh, Andreas Antonopoulos, yeah. right. Um, course, uh, or um, uh, Wentz, right. You know, all, all these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and unfortunately, most of them were guys, but, but we're getting a lot more females now that are coming into the industry and, and, and participating as well, doing this hard kind of unsung hero work. And it really paved the way for, you know, what I call like the Twitter brigade, right? Now you've got all these people on Twitter who now they're pounding the pavement. It wasn't cool to talk about this stuff before, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so those people were doing it when it was uncool. Now it's a little bit more acceptable. It's a little bit cooler. Ten years from now, everyone's going to be talking about this stuff. And so I think that's really, you know, when I wake up every day, I just say it, it, it's incredible. I get to go do this on a daily basis. And uh, the fact that people listen still shocks me. But uh, as long as they're listening and I'm having fun, I'll keep doing it. Uh, that was, uh, I, I relate to so much of what you're saying. And, and to me, when I like this concept of decentralization, I think it's just changed everything. And I think everything eventually, you know, it might go worse before it gets better in some ways. Um, and it's definitely not going to be a smooth ride. And it may not even be all in our lifetime. But the crack has happened. And the, the change is inevitable, in my opinion. Um, and so it's like, it's hard to imagine, like, not seeing it, uh, you know, for, for, for someone of us that are you know people outside think we're drink, drinking our own Kool-Aid maybe we are but uh, it's just actually really logical you, you can definitely speak things into existence, in my opinion. That's right. So, uh, so listen, man, I really appreciate you coming on. This is uh, this is really cool. It's great to hear the stories uh, from years ago, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on. You can tell some more stories in the future. I look forward to it. I appreciate you guys listening to that great episode. Before we go, remember to go visit zenledger.io slash off the chain. Zenledger is the best crypto accounting software available. If you had investment losses in 2018, you may be able to save up to $3,000 on your income taxes using Zenledger. Simply enter your transactions into their easy to use software, get completed tax forms, ready to be imported into TurboTax and reviewed with your CPA and sent to the IRS. That's visit zenledger.io slash off the chain, no spaces or dashes, just straight zenledger.io slash off the chain and you get 20% off your tax forms for 2018. Thank me later. I'm sure a lot of you have used Kayak to find the best flight. Total's kind of like Kayak, but it don't find you no flights. It helps you find liquidity on decentralized exchanges and it optimally routes your trades for execution. So Kayak, you find flights. Total, they help you find liquidity. We should get Kayak on for this spot that I'm providing them, but Total instead is our advertiser and you should go visit total.com slash pomp. Again, that's total.com slash pomp and let them know that I sent you, tell them you love their product, Take a screenshot, tweet it at me. I'll drop you some fire emojis and then we'll all be happy. So total.com slash pomp. 
one more word from our sponsor, BlockFi. Their new interest account allows you to securely deposit your Bitcoin or Ether at BlockFi and receive 6% annual interest paid monthly in cryptocurrency. This rate actually compounds, so you receive a 6.2% APY, which is very attractive given the alternatives. So you can actually take your Bitcoin, you can deposit it with BlockFi and get paid an interest rate of 6% in return. Go check out BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, BlockFi.com slash POMP to sign up and start earning interest on your crypto today. Hey, everyone. POMP here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off the Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off the Chain.